want you to think about a couple of things. So you don't have to raise your hand and confess anything this morning. Who likes to get into trouble? (laughs) Who at times will try to cover up something just so they don't get in trouble? I remember one time in grade school, and I wish I would have been in seminary because I could have said that. I was just trying to write in Hebrew from right to left rather than left to, to, uh, yeah, left to, from right to left rather than left to right. But I remember one time in grade school, I had wrote a word on paper, and my teacher saw it. And she put the famous phrase at the bottom of it, parent signature, and put a line on it. It was a word for whatever age I was that was not appropriate for my age to be writing or even today to be using. And I said, Daddy, I just forgot two letters. Daddy, I just forgot a letter. You know what happened then? I got in more trouble because I was already in trouble for what I did at school. But then I tried to cover it up and I got into even more trouble. But then there was a consequence to my action too. The next time that something occurred, the trust between me and my father was broken and I had to re-earn that trust. The same thing holds true for our Christian life. And at times in our Christian life, we do things that are considered disobedient to God and the word of God tells us is disobedient to him. We do things called sin and we don't want to confess it, so we try to cover it up. Henceforth, the case of our text today, David and his sin with Bathsheba. And many say, well, Brother Marvin, we know this story, but I want to recount a couple of highlights of David's life that get us up to this point so that we understand the, the, the severity of who David was, the severity of what David did, and how David responded. David was a shepherd. And some of you are saying, Marvin, we know that. But there may be some here that may not know that. But David was a shepherd who was the youngest son of Jesse, who was watching his father's sheep and flocks. And the prophet Samuel came to Jesse and said, I need to see all of your sons. One of them will be anointed king. But in the call of Samuel to go, and anoint the next king of Israel God tells Samuel this is a man after my own heart so David was faithful to God because he was considered a man after God's own heart and the the line began and everybody marched through nope not that one nope not that one nope not that one nope not that one got to the end of them do you have another son well yeah the youngest he's out watching the flocks We'll bring him in. It says he was ruddy. He didn't have the appearance, a good-looking appearance. And it was the last, and the text doesn't say it, but I get this image in my mind. It was the last person that Samuel would have thought that would be king of Israel. But he was a man after God's own heart. And he was anointed king, but then it was many years later before he took the throne. And once he took the throne, he was where God had called him to be he he was where God wanted him to be he was in the position that he was anointed and called to be in henceforth we pick up our 
account now. David's great sin. Verse 27. Now when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. What David had done was cover up previous sin. That's why it was evil in the sight of the Lord. David was guilty of three of breaking three of the Lord's commandments that we find in the Ten Commandments. And as I studied this week, I always knew murder, always knew adultery, but he also coveted after his neighbor's wife. So he broke three of the Lord's commandments, and he displeased the Lord in so doing. And you say, well, how did he do that? Well, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, not being where he needed to be, and his eyes saw Bathsheba bathing. And his eyes desired what he saw. So he, did, he came in, he had her brought to him, and they did things that were against the will of God and, and performed an adulterous act which led him to try to figure a way out because she became with child. I'm not currently reading. I, I am in first... I'm in Second Samuel. I'm in Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. Currently, is the text. So <laughs> that's all good. They, Dave, she became with child, which is at the beginning of chapter eleven. I'm recounting to give us context of where we're going. And she became a child, and he said, well, I'll just bring you right home off the battlefield and let him do adult things with his wife, and then we can blame the pregnancy on them. One problem. He wanted to return to the battlefield. So he had to come up with another plan to cover up the sin act in which he did. So he commanded that Uriah be placed at the front of the line and basically murdered Uriah, which is where we are in our text currently. He did all these things. He became an adulteress or in an adulterous relationship. He became a murderer and he thought everything was going to be okay. How many of us have been there? that we've sinned and we've tried to cover it up and we tried to cover it up and we tried to cover it up only to be found out or maybe we're here today and we hadn't been found out my prayer is as I dealt with this passage this week and dealt with sin in my own life that today we would deal with the sin that's in our lives and that we would repent to a holy God for the sin that others may not know that are in our lives because we see the confrontation between David and Nathan in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 12. 1 through 4. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said, There are two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks 
and herds. But the poor man had nothing except one little EU lamb. He brought and nourished. He bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. And was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. And he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took from the poor man's EU lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. A couple of things that we need to realize about this text. Number one is Nathan was being obedient to God. Number two, Nathan was a court prophet, so court or prophet within the court of the king, and he knew what was going on or what had occurred because the voice of the Lord, I mean, the Lord told him to go to David and to share these words with David. We also have to understand that Nathan could have been executed and killed by the king for accusing the king of anything. Church, my friends, my family, brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes it's tough for us to confront one another of our sins. But for the health of your relationship with Jesus Christ, it must be done. For the health and the growth of the body of Christ, it must be done. And it's interesting that Nathan would come to David for the reasons that I mentioned. But do you notice the approach that David, that Nathan took with David? He shared a story with David so that David would so that David would admit to what he had done. You say, how is that? Because David casted judgment against this person, this rich person. You see that as we come to verses 5 and 6. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man and he said to Nathan as the Lord lives surely the man who has done this deserves to die and he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion you know what's easy for us to do as Christians point out other people's problems and cast judgment on other people than it is to see our own sins and to cast judgment on ourselves. Because in Nathan sharing this, this parable with David, David cast judgment upon himself. Because in the Levitical law, a murderer and adulterer received the same punishment, which was death. That was restitution. And David just 
casted judgment on himself because he had committed adultery, because he was a murderer. And, and he also coveted his neighbor's wife. Verse 7 and 8. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord of Israel. How would you like to be David? How would you like to be Nathan? To go to the king, knowing what the king has done, knowing that the king has already murdered to cover up his sin, and go to the king and say, Hey, I need to tell you a little story. And, the, and then be the person to say to the king, what should be done to the rich man? Restitution should be paid. And then to be Nathan the prophet to the king and say, you are that man. Knowing that the king had just cast a judgment against himself. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when's the last time we've held each other accountable for our sin? Because you see, in the Eastern world, they had an understanding in biblical times that sin affected the entire community. In the Western world today, we live in a world of individualism. We live in a world of me, myself, and I. We live in a world that says, I don't need to worry about that person because they can live the way they want to. But I need to worry about me. Our Christianity has become very individualistic and our salvation is very individualistic. I do not want to make that unclear. But the witness of, our, of the corporate body of Christ affects everybody in this room. The way we act in public and we say that we're from Ascension Baptist Church or we got one of those nice t-shirts on that say go serve and pray or pray, serve, and go. And it says Ascension Baptist Church. People are identifying you with the body of Christ at Ascension Baptist Church. And it is affecting the way they see the church. It is affecting the way they see Christ in our lives. And we must come together just as Nathan did and be willing to confront one another in love as I'm reminded often you must do it in love you must do it in mercy you must do it in grace the question in Bible study went something like this this morning in Sunday school what is hindering the church from spiritual growth as we looked at Joe Ash and the kingdom that he started off well and they saw great growth and then the high priest died and he went his own way in Sunday school and then the whole nation of Israel was punished by a smaller army what you do affects the body of Christ what David did affected his entire family y'all and we're going to get there in just a minute but Nathan said, you are that man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, it is I, verse 7b, it is I who anointed you king over Israel. I gave you your position, David. 
It is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I provided protection for you, David. It is I who gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. I gave the, these are, he gave him the possessions that he had. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. David, if I've given you something, if I haven't given you something, why didn't you ask? Why did you take it into your own hands? How many of us are like that? We like to take, I've told y'all numerous times before, I'm a fixer. We like to take things into our own hands. I like, I've told y'all this before, that when problems come, I run to my friends, I run to my mentors, I run to my accountability partners. And at the end of it all, most of them all say the same thing. Have you taken it to God? No, Why? Because we want to fix it. We want to get it. We want to do it. Why? Because of pride. What was David's issue? It was the lust of the eyes. It was the lust of the flesh. It was the pride that had overcome him because of the position of authority that he had been placed in. May it never be. But the Bible says we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So it will be. So we need to go before a holy God on a regular basis and repent of our sins, not try to cover them up. But brothers and sisters in Christ, when we know that there's sin in the camp, we must be willing and be bold in love and mercy and grace to go as Nathan did and go before the person and say privately. Let me clarify. We don't need to bring them up in front of the entire church. But privately and say you have sinned. You're living in sin. It's help, it helps that personal believer grow closer to God. It, it helps them realize the sin that's in their life. It reconnects them to the Lord Jesus Christ. It, re, it re, reconnects and fixes a broken relationship between a holy God and them. It allows them to be restored. It allows them to live harmoniously amongst the brothers and sisters of the body of Christ. But yet... We'd rather remain silent. This isn't an easy passage to preach. Because it makes you do a lot of introspective look. It makes you do a lot of outward look. And it makes you examine your own life. I've had sleepless nights this week dealing with this passage. but it's been great communion with the Father. I want my desire, 20 years celebrated a month and a half ago here. Why haven't I left? God hasn't released me, number one. Number two, I see the great potential that Ascension Baptist Church has for Ascension Parish. Why preach a passage like this? So that we can be the body of Christ together. So that we can love each other so that we can love the world so that the gospel will reach beyond our reaches so that we can have a good testimony amongst our community and the uttermost parts of the world verses 9 and 10 
Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. One thing I want you to see there says Uriah the Hittite. He was a foreigner. And in the cover-up of the grand scheme of things to the community and to the people of the nation of Israel where David had reigned over, it could have been seen as a good thing when Uriah died in battle. Because David could have been seen because there was no kinsman redeemer. There was nobody to take in Uriah's wife. So he took her into his household. He was going to tend to what the nation thought was his son. So it could have been seen and it could have been further covered up. But Nathan said, you are that man and you have shamed the Lord you have displeased the Lord but instead what does it say here's your consequence now the sword now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the house taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will rise up evil against you from your own household. You will even take, I will even take your wives before your eyes, give them to your companions, <coughs> and will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Said in our text, that David's punishment on his household would be fourfold. He lost four sons at early ages. Bathsheba's son that was in the adulterous act, he lost as an infant. And then he lost his other sons way before he should have. Sin, and why do I say that? Sin has consequences. I shared my little story about grade school. But I remember the disappointing look on my father's face when I lied to him. And it wasn't so much about the original act, but that I had to earn my father's trust back. Church family, when we sin, we disappoint our Lord and Savior. We displease him as the text shares with us. When we allow sin to run rampant in the camp, we displease the Lord. So let's stop letting sin run rampant in our own lives. Let's confess our sins to a holy God. Let's repent of those sins. Because look at the beautiful thing. Look at the beautiful thing that occurs. Indeed, you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun.
this thing you did secretly. David thought he had gotten away with it, y'all. We think we get away with a lot. But here's the thing. God is omnipresent, which means he is always present. Present. So he knows everything that you do. He's all-knowing. Omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Omniscient, I just switched those two words just to clarify. Omnipresent, he's always with us. But he knows everything that you've done. So why not go for a holy God who already knows what you did? He's just waiting for you to come to him and say, God, I'm sorry. I need to repent of my sins. Because he offers you forgiveness for it. That's not a reason. Paul reminds us that's not a reason to sin. So that grace may abound all the more. But we are human. It says that we're all going to fall short of the glory of God. We're all, we're all born with a sin nature. We're going to fall. So let's go before a holy God who already knows everything about us, our innermost being, and pray to him and ask for forgiveness of our sins so that we can be made right and our relationship can be right so that we can be a witness to the whole world. And that we can live in harmony with brothers and sisters in Christ. Because he already knows it. But other part of that, verse 12. But I will do this thing before all of Israel. Here's what I get. Your sins will find you out. Your sin will find you out. In verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to him, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. The judgment that you deserve, you will not get. Jesus Christ said on Calvary's cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Jesus Christ told... The disciples, I go and prepare a place for you. The place I go, you cannot come right now. Throughout the gospel, it says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Through the Old Testament prophets, it looked toward Christ, it looked toward this Messiah that was going to come and, and save the world from their sins. The, the, the death that we deserve because of our sin, Christ bore. For anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. They will be made right. Look at what it says in verse 13. The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. You will not die if you're in Christ. You will die physically. But eternally, you will live forever. This is a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in our lives. All the way back in the Old Testament. But we must be willing, as David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And when we cry out, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Church, I want to put an application to this. 
God knows you, I don't. So today, right where you are, whatever, whatever sin is in secret, whatever sin you are struggling with, whatever is happening in your life right now, make today the day that you repent of it and give it to him once and for all so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Allow him to take it. Allow him to have it. Give it to him in repentance, not remorse. Ask for true forgiveness. Don't just say, I'm sorry. And your life will be spared. Verse 14 and 15. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. Consequences of our sin. The reputation of the Lord to the communities, to the enemies of the Lord here is tarnished. There's consequences to our sin. And they can run. They can have impact for years to come. If we don't begin, brothers and sisters, in love and mercy and grace to do what Nathan did and say, hey, I see you're struggling. You really need to give it to God. But I think there's a little bit more to it than that. We're called to be community. Can I pray with you about it? Can we meet about it? Can I walk with you through this valley that you're going through? Can I help you along the journey? Can I be there for you? Can I do whatever it takes to get you right on back on the right track? Can I meet with you once a week and we read the Bible together? Can I meet with you once a week on Sunday morning before church and can we pray together? Can I just help you, please? Church, that's what our that's what we need so desperately. Not to be individualistic about our Christian walk, but to call each other out, to praise one, to give encouragement to one another, to praise our God together. And I've always loved verse 15. Because in the beginning, the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said what the Lord had said. David's anger was burned against him. In verse 5, then Nathan speaks again. As the Lord lives, surely, uh, David said to Nathan, as, as the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Verse 7, Nathan then said to David, you are that man. He called him out for a sin. 12, 13, and 14. He shares with David the consequence of his sin. David, he offers David repentance. The Lord offers. David cries out and receives the Lord's repentance. And in verse 15, it says, Nathan went home. Nathan went home. After Nathan was done being obedient to what the Lord had called Nathan to do, Nathan went home. Not before it. 
He didn't say halfway through it. Say, all right, I've done it. I've shared the story. David's cast judgment on himself. Now it's in David's court. He waited until David repented. And then it says Nathan went home. What does that text say? We need to see it through, y'all. We need to see it through. So today, church, are you willing to give it to God? The sin that's in your life, are you willing to give it to God? Are you willing to leave it at the altar? Because David was in the midst of sin and cover-up, and God called him out for it, and God said, your sins are forgiven. Surely you won't die. From what I read in the text, if we confess our sins to a holy God, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us of those sins. So today, church, I'm asking you not, not to walk an aisle and if God's calling you, the Holy Spirit's directing you, then by all means come to the altar. Bring it before Him at the altar. But I'm asking you where you're sitting in just a few moments during our time of invitation, our time of challenge, our time of response. The invitation comes from the Lord, not from me. To respond to God and say, I am a sinner. I've been struggling with this, God. I need to give it to you because it's yours and I don't want it no more. I want to be made right with you and I want to see the things of God and I want to see growth and I want to grow closer to you so please break down the wall of sin that's in my life maybe today you got a friend again Nathan went to David privately that you just need to go to privately and say hey I see this in your life the Bible says that we will be known by the fruits that we bear. Your life ain't very fruitful right now. But again, I encourage you to do that with love, mercy, and grace. And under the direction of the Holy Spirit, not just to call somebody out. And to do it privately. But let's come together, church. Let's be the body of Christ, church. Let's begin to confess our sins to God, church. And let's see what God can do with us, church. Because there's great things that he wants to do. But it starts with each of us individually confessing our sins before a holy God. Pray with me.